You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Judith Pardo Perez. Yeah, hi. You like that emphasis I did on your name? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's perfect. So Judith, tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? I am, uh, I come from Chile, so from South America, and I am a paleontologist. Um, I am working now in the University of Magallanes. It is located in the southernmost part of Chile, so in the southern Patagonia. And I guess this one is the last university in the continent. <laughs> See, what's so interesting for a lot of people that are listening, they're going to think when it comes to paleontology, I don't think a lot of people either really know what it is. Um, it's the study I, of it's the study of dinosaurs, but they're going to remember it from an old TV show called Friends, where there was a person on there named <laughs> Ross Geller. I don't know if yeah, you've, ever yeah. se- you've ever seen that show, but uh, yeah. how did you get started as a paleontologist? Like, what's your fascination with paleontology? Well, it started like uh, actually in the university. Um, when I was studying, I studied biology in the university here in this university, which I, where I am working now. And I had a, a lecture on paleontology and I was so interested after that about geology and rocks and all stuff. And in, at that time in the university, there was nothing about paleontology or related only about uh, invertebrates, but very small ones, the ones that you have to look up in the microscope. And I didn't want that. I wanted the big ones, the big bones, you know? So I started working in the archeology span department, which is, uh, they, they do research on humans and old humans and um, life of um, these humans during, I don't know, it's not, it's not extinct, it's not like fossils, you know, because fossils are a lot more older. But I started there cleaning bones and of ancient animals. And then a friend of mine went to an expedition in the border of one of, of, of a glacier. Actually, he went to study an insect that was living in the glacier and he was a student at that time and he went with some other uh, researchers from the university and glaciologists and walking by the rocks going to the glacier they found the rest of uh, an animal that nobody know which animal it was so when he came back to the university he showed me the pictures and we started researching it and we discovered that it was an ichthyosaur which is uh, an ancient marine reptiles, very old, like 140 million years old. And then I started to to be more interested and I got the support of the university to go to this place and to look up for more. And we found more. And then I started uh, doing my specialization on this animal. 
Now, would you say this type of animal is the one that you want to prioritize in researching rather than focusing on the whole kind of expanding knowledge of paleontology? Uh, yeah, well, because this one is older than the one that the start that I was doing before uh, is from the Cretaceous. And actually, it's a coincidence. Uh, I took the I took the chance because nobody was doing research on this animal. Actually, nobody was doing research on this animal in the country, and so I I started. What's so funny is that huh, it's called an ichthyosaurus. Is that ichthyosaurus? It's ichthyosaurus. Ichthyosaurus. See, even yeah. saying that, I wonder who creates the names of these things. Because it's like, you, you read the name of it, and then you see what it is, and you're like, oh, that's exactly what that would look like. You know what I mean? It's uh -huh. like that name fits it perfectly. It kind of looks a lot like, a, like an, an ancestor, I would say, to the marlin. To the what, sorry? The marlin, the giant fish with like, it's like a swordfish. It, it, it looks like an ancestor to that. Yeah, well, but it, yeah, it looks like a fish. Actually, it looks like a dolphin, but it has nothing related with mammals or with fish. This is a reptile, so it's a marine reptile. It has, uh, it had lungs, so this animal has has to go to the surface to breathe uh, constantly, and but it was so adapted to 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 live in the water that. Uh, it was not necessary to go to the to to land eggs, you know, like turtles or crocodiles. So this animal developed a kind of placenta uh, in which the embryos were developed. So the embryos were born in the water. So it's, it therefore is so amazing because it's so enigmatic how it was so well adapted to this environment and why it became extinct. There is no uh, um, descent of this animal living now, not like crocodiles, because we also have extinct crocodiles and, and we have crocodiles now. There were also extinct turtles and we have turtles now, but not ichthyosaurs. Now with ichthyosaurs, you're kind of studying and finding these fossils and things. These give you information and like kind of more of an aspiration or a wantingness to look up more information about what you've discovered as well. This is probably where a lot of your knowledge has come from. Yes. And yeah. what's fascinating is that I watched a documentary on Netflix a few years ago called Dino Fish. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, uh, no, actually not. It's, you might actually like it. It's, um, they found a dinosaur uh, or a fish that is from like the dinosaur period, like a long, long time ago. I think they ranged it out at like, I couldn't tell you the exact number. I think it was like 6 million or something years ago. But what happened was they thought this fish had long died out. Um, it's like, it's the Coalanchith, I think is how you pronounce it. Something of that, you know, the, they're weird names. I'm sorry. That's the, people that, <laughs> the people that name them sound like they get them off a Laffy Taffy wrapper, but they make sense. But when, when uh, they found this fish, they thought it died long ago, but they started, what happened was they had a guy, a researcher that was down there excavating the area go, that actually walked by a fish market and noticed that these um, people that were indigenous to that area started selling um, this fish. And he was like, that doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. And he got a closer look at it and found that it was this prehistoric fish that, that um, had they thought had long died out. 
turns out what was happening was with kind of how space is um, deep, deep, deep down in the water, it seems time moves at a different pace. It seems like a year up here is a little bit different when you're underwater so, so deep. So these fish were down there living and it, it, the climate, no sunlight, anything like that, the passage of time seemed to be a little bit different. But what was happening was all the fishermen in this area were using dynamite and using all these other types of things to be able to fish with, causing a very kind of disruptive nature to the habitat there and actually caused these fish to be affected. And they started to rise and people started catching these fish and it became really common where now it's like a... I forgot where exactly it is. It's off the coast of Africa. But they have this whole section as a reserve now because they started finding all these fish, and now they're able to replicate the DNA from it. Wow. Yeah, you have to give me the name of the documentary later. So uh, the, the, document, <laughs> the documentary is called Dino Fish, literally. That guy did not go far for that name at all. He just said Dino Fish. And um, it was... Ah, it's like a celacant. It's celacant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the story. Well, I haven't watched the documentary, but I know about this fish. Yeah, it's amazing. It it was thought that was extinct, but then they found it. Yeah, that's see, that's what always like when everybody thinks of like dinosaurs that walk the earth today. You'll hear someone go, "Oh, bird, they're just dinosaurs," or you'll see a <laughs> crocodile, and you'll be like, yeah. "That thing's a dinosaur." But I'm like, what always fascinated me when we used to go to like. On school field trips, we used to go to nature museums and we go to see all the mm -hmm. dinosaurs and all these types of things. Everybody was so fascinated with the T-Rex and all this type of stuff. But I was that guy wandering in the back looking at like all the other types of things that came from that period, such as like a lot that happened to do with coming out of the sea. I mean, yeah. I was always a fan of the Megalodon, all these like giant mm -hmm. massive mm -hmm. sea creatures and stuff, and just how amazing they were for it. Hell, if I play a Jurassic Park video game now, you bet I'm making on an aquatic section because that's all I'm fascinated with. <laughs> it was just, it, it's so crazy to see because a lot of what is in the sea that we barely understand yeah. would be a lot scarier and a lot bigger too. Yeah, I always say that sea, undersea is like another universe. There are so many things that we don't know. There are so many animals undiscovered. And yeah, well, in my case, I doubt that ichthyosaurs were we living there down because as they have lungs, they will have to come back to the surface to breathe and someone will see it. We look animal, weird animal over there. So... But but I really think it's it's amazing. I I I also like a lot of all the undersea. Do you find that with um just doing your research in general, like how do you take steps into researching things? Is it just on the stuff that you've kind of found, or do you do a lot of kind of more of information based, where you're kind of reading books and just trying to study up your knowledge as much as possible? Um, do you mean based on in, on research, on investigations of what I do with these animals? Yeah, like if I'm gonna go out, if I'm gonna uh -huh. go out and uh, look for beach shells or something, uh -huh. and then I find a specific shell or something, I'll look up what that shell is. Is that how you can? Uh -huh. that how you find your research yeah. or go into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you go there, you find the stuff, and then you have to see what is it because I know now which. These the animals that I am I am discovering, but 
it's not just finishing ice and ichthyosaur and that's the end. You have to describe the species because there were a lot of different species. So according to the anatomy of the animals, um, there, are dif there are certain differentiation between certain bones in the skeleton of ichthyosaurs and it changed through the time, you know, because this animal, this particular animal was living between the Triassic and the Cretaceous, so between 240 and 90 million years ago. So imagine how it evolved and how different it could be in so many millions of years. So we have different species and according to the time where it was found uh, and comparing with some other species of the world of the same age, you can get it or sometimes you don't get it and you start wondering if it is a new species you know and here in the patagonia in the fossil area where i am working it is in the border of um, the name is tindan glacier and we have found a lot so it's amazing there we have found more than 50 complete ichthyosaurs articulated so you go there you walk in the stones and you found this amazing animal like it's so scary when you see it because it's complete and exposed and what it happened is that the glacier is melting so in the retreat uh, it lets expose the because it take part of the stones and so a layer of bones is exposed in the in the stones i don't know if you understand what i mean yeah is but, this a is this a problem with global warming the fact that the glacier is kind of melting off i mean it, it seems like it, it it's very beneficial for you because you're able to kind of find the fossils a little bit easier now but yeah <laughs> when it comes to the preservation of them as well see what's crazy yeah when i'm looking at like some of the pictures like you looking at this stone and kind of seeing how it's like perfectly it seems like it's perfect like perfectly preserved like something like someone literally like protected it for so long but it's like yeah. how often do you guys come across a fossil or how often do you come across something that's been so damaged that you have to repair it yeah yeah actually we are very lucky because we have this amazing preservation but i have worked in some other locations in the planet and and it's not like that so um you find only for example some bones of the paddle or some vertebral column bones and very isolated um so here we are very lucky to find these animals complete and articulated but as you say it's also a uh, it's also complicated according to the preservation because it was kind of protected during all these years by this glacier and now with the climate change the glacier is melting this is one of the glaciers that is melting most um, fast in the patagonia and which is good for me because i, I found fossils but obviously it's not good for the planet but now the bones are exposed and what happened now, what we see is that uh, the glacier that was covering, you know, with the weight of the glacier, it causes some fractures on the stone. And then with the retreat, it, uh, there are some marks, you know, like uh, scratches of the direction in which the glacier was uh, melting or retreating. So you see that in the exposed rocks. So you see deep fractures that are crossing the bones and also these scratches. And this area is very cold, so, and it's also uh, windy and raining and snowing a lot. So the weather, uh, what's happening is that the rains filter in these 
fractures. And also there are some differentiations of the temperature between day and night. So uh, rocks is contracting and compressing and changing. So it causes like micro explosions in the, in the rock. Like little minor fractures that go into the stone causing yeah. a, like a disruption exactly. really in the yeah. resource or yeah. the fossil that you're looking at. See, what's crazy about that is there's a, there's a similar thing going on with that. So I'm guessing because with the amount of foot traffic, how there's not that much of it there, that's probably why a lot of it is perfectly preserved and you do find a lot of it because it's kind of been less discovered than most of the planet. Um, yeah. And it's weird because I can use that example. In Hawaii, they have coral under the in the ocean on a little bit far out. What's been happening is with all the increase in foot traffic, with Hawaii becoming a destination hotspot for a lot of tourists, they don't understand that you cannot stand on the coral. So I went there about six years ago. And then I went back probably two years ago, and about 45% of the coral population had died from that three-year difference. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. So, yeah, lucky for me, this area is protected by the National Forest Corporation. Uh, this area is inside of the, a national park. It is the Torres del Paine National Park, and which is a beautiful national park from Chile. I think one of the most beautiful in, in the country. And so the National Forest Corporation doesn't allow the entrance of tourists to these areas, only scientists. So this is in part good because we still have protected the specimens. Anyway, if you go there, the area is so big that you need the GPS coordinate to, to find them. It's not like very easy because you have to climb the cliff and then go down and here and there. So, but um, they are over there. It's, a, it's an area of around 20 square kilometers. Um, if I had to ask you, what is one of your most memorable moments so far in the field? Can you explain to me that memory? I think I have a couple. I have two maybe. Okay, <laughs> I think the first off. one. Let's hear them. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one was when I found the first ichthyosaur, and I was, I think, yeah, I was 21 years old, and I went to with the glacier uh, with the glaciologists and other researchers. I was still studying in the university, and we were trying to find the ichthyosaur that my friend found. You know and we were walking in the stones and then in a moment i turned and i asked them is that one the one that you're looking for and they say no that one is a new one we haven't seen that one and that was so amazing to see the real bones of an animal they're stuck in the stone and they have a so different color and and look so creepy uh, and i felt yeah that i think that was because it was my first find my first discovery how like how difficult is it for you to find like be able to spot one though because i mean you're looking through like these rock formations that all seem like what's really crazy about these types of rocks is that they have an imprinting onto them like a, a design feature where it looks like if you're looking at a distance it could be something but how can you distinctly tell that there's a fossil there that um well i because you see structures of uh, animals um when you find something it, it's not something irregular it has a structure so you you clearly see that 
is a is an animal when you find a shell because we also have invertebrates there and we have fishes too i am focusing only in the ichthyosaurs but i need more researchers to work with me in the area to study the invertebrates and the other fishes and so you see a fish you know how is the anatomy of a fish no yeah. Uh, and when you eat the fish, it's the skeleton there. And the same skeleton you find it there. So you see clearly that it's a fish. I know. It just, I see what, what fascinates me is the way you're explaining it makes it seem like it's perfectly like imprinted to where someone could just walk by and be like, hey, there's a fish there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that. Are you serious? It's really like <laughs> yeah. that? Holy really, God. really. I'm thinking you're going like with a magnifying glass to every single. No, no. The area is amazing. The area is really amazing. Actually, I went in 2017. I went with a couple of master's students from the university. They went to help me because I wanted to check the, the state of preservation of the bones because I was so worried about the erosion and so on. So we went and I saw the glacier is more retreated. So I say, let's explore that area because I feel that we will find something there. Actually, there is, there is a scientific methodology to find, of course, but I always see, ah, I think it's this area, but let's go there. And then the students were asking me how they will recognize that it's a fossil when they see it. And because they, were, they saw so many different stones in the area and they were trying to find something and say, how I will see that it's a fossil. And I say, you will know that it's a fossil when you see it because it's totally different. And, and then he found it. He found uh, an almost complete ichthyosaur and we went to check it. I recognize, because now, well, I have more experience so I can recognize the species almost like super fast. And uh, we were checking, I was checking inside um, and then we saw small um, bones of uh, embryo. Mm. So there were, there were five embryo in the in the in the stomach of the of the mother so we saw the skulls and the small teeth of the babies and that was so amazing because actually we didn't know that embryos the teeth of embryos were developed uh, during the gestation development so we thought that maybe they developed teeth after they were born for hunting but actually they were born with teeth so they it means that they were prepared to hunt immediately after they were born so this is things that we haven't published yet because the material is still in the field we need to excavate it and always the logistic is so expensive so what i am trying to to do now is to find some funding from chilean government or some other government from some other country and you would think with you would think with all your findings and everything that they would be funding this pretty heavily it seems like you guys are finding a lot of stuff it's not just like you go out every once in a while and find something it seems like you guys are uncovering uh, almost every trip yeah yeah and it's a lot of things that we need to to learn and to to research on these animals because we also have another female ichthyosaur also pregnant uh, it's from the same species of the other one. It's in the same uh, level, so but it's in another state of um, gestation, you know. So we can also see how embryos develop the ichthyosaurs, for example. Um, besides the anatomy, and 
system. With studying paleontology and kind of all the information that you've been pulling out of just the species in general, don't you think that, like, what's your estimated thinking of where technology could be able to recreate one of these things? I know um, at the ending of 2018, heading into 2019, they actually were able to recreate a mammoth, a clone of one, only because they were able to pull out such perfectly extracted DNA from um, glaciers. I'm thinking that with all the information, if we put a little bit more research into, you know, being able to fund expeditions like this that can uncover more fossils and information of this dinosaur, that we could actually at one point recreate it. Mm. Well, uh, that's a complicated topic because I know some scientists believe that that's possible, but I, as far as I know, DNA is not preserved. So it's until I think 13,000. Uh, it's only preserved so for for dinosaurs for example will not possible to recreate one but you can manage dna of uh, chickens for example and that is what a colleague from chile is doing the we have actually now by the way very good paleontologists in the country um so we started this is another topic but we started a chilean association of paleontologists in 2008 and now there are a lot of members and new students that are starting to research on paleontology, which is very, very good. Um, because I had to move out of Chile to do my research because at that time there were no paleontologists in the country. So I have the option to go to Argentina to work with Marta Fernandez, which is the, the best known uh, paleontology on ichthyosaurs in South America and one of the best known in the, in the world. So she was my advisor during my bachelor thesis, which is a kind of master thesis here. And, but then I had another opportunity to move to Germany with another paleontologist. So I took that one. And so I was doing my research for all the years and then I was working in Germany um, because there was nothing here in the country. But then some of the researchers that they were doing also their specializations out of uh, Chile, so in the United States, and they came back and they started uh, doing paleontology in the country. And now they have um, discovered new species of dinosaurs. They are uh, doing uh, research on uh, managing DNA of uh, uh, chickens because they discovered that if they can uh, stop the um, the coding of a gene they can reduce the numbers of the of the of the food of the chicken and it will look like a dinosaur food so that's, that's gonna be crazy imagine getting like a 30 pound chicken imagine that in your chicken tender nugget meal. yeah so it's not like the blood is preserved but you can manage genes of actual animals living animals and maybe converted to dinosaurs which is creepy and bad for the animals but it's the way that you <laughs> making can... a specific breed of dinosaur chicken that'd be that'd be the newest yeah. thing on mcdonald's uh, dollar menu see it's funny because when you start looking at like paleontology have you ever thought about another place you might want to explore like in the future like do you have a place that you've been thinking about because it seems like even though you might be finding a lot there is there anywhere that you've learned that there's a certain type of dinosaur or maybe something else you might want to study over this one yeah actually i would like to stay here in the patagonia this area is so 
and uh, not explorer. So there is a lot of things to see here. We have in, the, in this region, we are only a few paleontologists. So there is a paleo, a paleobotanist, is a paleontologist who is specialized on, on plants, fossil plants. Uh, and there is another one that came from Brazil recently, uh, and me. So we are very few ones. They are doing research in Antarctic. And I would like to explore this subantarctic area. There are some mountains and some other glaciers. I want to check how, how fast are melting the glaciers and how undercover are the rocks, and if it's possible to find something around these areas in the southern Patagonia. So that's the plan to do now in summer, actually. With studying all these kind of shifts in general, um, does it, do you have to go through a process of trying to be able to understand like the rock formations, making sure that you don't step on anything that could actually mess up or maybe like wreck or hurt or damage any fossils? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the process is to check what is the geology of the area. So if there are rocks that will enable the preservation of an animal in, in, and convert it in a fossil, uh, or if it's uh, some other um, mineralized stones that in which you will find nothing. And I will take the risk because I have seen in the geology of the areas that I want to explore now that it's not the kind of rocks that were fossils fossilized, but the geology of these areas are very poor. So because no much people have explored and nobody has done a paleontological exploration in the areas. So anyway, any information will improve the ones that we have. So like I could go to some other areas where there are more probabilities to find fossils easy, you know, but I like like the complicated things. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you like um the environment too. It seems like you've really kind of made it. Yeah, you made it your home a little bit too, somewhere where you're comfortable. So when it when it comes to one of the hardest things about your job, what would you say that would be? To the hardest. Hardest part. I'm talking about like uh -huh. it's the yeah. one thing you've either had happen in your life doing this, or one thing that you kind of hate about your job. Well, uh, hating about the job is nothing because I really love it. Um, but complicated things is to find funding to to pay the covers of expeditions. Our, the logistic is so expensive, and I have been lucky that several of the expeditions that I have organized have been with people that support me and give me stuff for free, you know, like transportation, uh, food for the team and things. Then we, we found, uh, we won a grant by the German government and they paid us uh, for two expeditions and we were able to, to excavate some of the stars. But uh, it's a complicated situation in the country and um, especially now, so I think that's the, the worst part to, to find. So I need to find a millionaire who wants to find to, to, to guard the expenses of my research. Get some of that Mark Human money. He donates that like crazy. See, what's crazy, yeah. <laughs> what's crazy is what I would have said was probably the cold because just being out in that freezing environment 24-7. Ah, yeah. Once I can't close my hands, you know how hard it must be to try and hold something to be able to excavate a fossil. A lot of people don't even think about that. Like you're dealing in 
some pretty serious weather conditions, even if you're wearing gloves, you end up, mm. for me, gloves cut off a big part of just my sense of touch. So even if I see a fossil and I'm really trying to examine it, I, the gloves have to come off, literally. I, I need to be able to kind of feel the indentations on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, that really sucks, though, about the funding problem because it seems like one of these, even though it's an amazing study, it doesn't get looked at as heavy. It's like one of those classes you take in school, like band classes, always the first to get cut they always keep sports and it's like you're cutting out a major part of our history first of all the facts of dinosaurs they're part of our history whether whether you want to admit it or not that we've about for for as long as i think the history has really gone on we have always recorded or looked at records for our our history for our information as people from where we've come from to the things that were here before us being able to predate things it's crazy to think that that wouldn't be one of the most funded things now. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the way several people see, but several people don't see it now. I don't know. Um, I don't know why um, it's difficult to find um, funding. Well, I, I, there are maybe, a, it's, it's also possible that I haven't tried hard enough, you know. Um, because I was, I had to stop for some years doing research on this area because I was doing a, a specialization in Germany, um, a postdoc research. Uh, so I really wanted to specialize on paleopathologies, which are uh, diseases that were recorded in the bones of uh, dinosaurs and reptiles, marine reptiles like ichthyosaurs. So I was three years doing this research and I, I couldn't focus on continuing uh, trying to find funding for this area. But I am pretty sure that at some point we will do it because it's very important and, and it's, it's unique. Actually, this fossil locality is one of the unique in the planet because of the, uh, con- the amount of uh, concentrated ichthyosaurs that are there. And, we have adults and juveniles, and we have babies, and we have uh, pregnant ichthyosaur with embryos. So it's not seen in any, in, in it's not something common, commonly seen in, in other locations. Would you say that's what makes it really kind of your f- favorite thing about it in general? The fact that it looks so different from a lot of the stuff that yeah. we have now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at dinosaurs, I think why people really like the aesthetic appeal to it. They like the just how big and how like it, like prehistoric they are. It just they look like something out of a like out of a fantasy tale. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Like, like when, scary. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what's most interesting about it too. The fact that like you know we're we're looking at them at their bone version. We're not seeing them with the flesh or everything. But when you go and look up that research, that information on it, I mean, my my favorite dinosaur was always like the this uh, what is it? Oh, God, I forgot the name. It's Cytera. Uh, God, these names, man. I can tell you, I can stutter on these all day. How it looks is a is a carnivore of <laughs> it's triceratops. Like, like a triceratops. Ah, triceratops. Yeah, yeah, yeah triceratops. Uh-huh. Like, a lot of these like creatures, like I remember going to the museum so many times when I was a little kid and just, I mean, always being yelled at for touching the sculpture, or touching the bones of the thing. Don't touch that. Don't put your hands on it. And I'll be sorry. I'm interested. I see with my hands, not my eyes. 
And um, <laughs> it's so fascinating, though, because like there is a world out there left to discover. I honestly think like with that watching that dino fish documentary and everything like that, I think there's a lot more in the ocean um, yeah. that is a lot older that we have no clue about yet. And I'm honestly waiting for that day to where it all surfaces. Yeah, <laughs> we have to go down to see them. <laughs> Now, yeah. for anybody that's kind of trying to get into paleontology or just interested in the subject in general, do you have any tips for them? Um, just to continue, because sometimes, well, actually, I have a very good friend of mine. He's an English paleontologist, and I always use his example because he's so inspiring person. Uh, he's a very young paleontologist, and he said that uh, he wanted to be a paleontologist since he was a kid. Uh, which is not my case because I was interested in paleontology as an adult, you know, um, but he always wanted and in the school the professor told her, the teacher told, no, you will never be a paleontology and we will, you will be poor and <laughs> you will not have enough money to live and you can't and blah, blah, blah. I think you have to push it forward because research is so important for, for understand our past. And to actually paleontology, we say that understanding our past will help us to be prepared for what comes to the future. You know? And so it's, it's, it's something that you can develop. And also I try to connect it with the scientific tourism. So this is something that I also want to do in, in the future to- Scientific, scientific tourism? Yeah. So- um to show people the there are some people that can come with us to the excavations for example and to live um the real experience of working oh, like, in like, the a, field. like a tutorial or like a like a tourist type thing yeah so but in with scientists you know so this person will be um real connected with the paleontologists and with the scientists and and learned it's a different kind of um, understanding and learning if you are there in situ with the people that know uh, know about the topics yeah see that could get a lot more people interested in the paleontology yeah. i think at a young yeah. age you're introduced to dinosaurs you know you have them as a toy you have them as something like that but it never seems to go really farther from there because other more hobbies or passions get kind of influenced in seems like paleontology is a really kind of rare study you see someone that gets interested into it only because it's not really formed into their mind you know what I mean like you discovering mm -hmm. as an adult um different from most paleontologists who kind of have this dream of kind of finding something or of this dream for architect or not architecture archaeology and discovering something in the sand or discovering something in stone um i think that if more people were kind of like you're saying like brought to these places and shown like the, the just the process of finding the fossil how you're becoming mm. so connected with the people that you're exploring with and you're being able to actually come across something yourself i mean hell who doesn't love it when they find a nice treasure every once in a while? I can tell you, <laughs> I, I have never found anything with a metal detector, but one of my prized things I've ever pulled out of the sea or anywhere out of the dirt, I pulled a saw, yeah. a straight up saw that used to cut wood. I pulled that out of the ocean. So that was one of my prized achievements. <laughs> nice.
I think there's something about um, if we introduce more people into just this art or just this science in general of paleontology, just yeah. showing them that this is a, a this is something you can do. I think when a lot of people look at look at it and kind of like how I started this podcast, we're just like kind of having you on and just trying to like talk to you about it. I'm coming from a perspective of I have no idea how the hell the process of it and all these types of things I'm asking you is because it's just not common down here. It's not a lot of people that work in paleontology, which is probably why it doesn't get much funding. Yeah, that's true. No, I always think that the best way to to learn is is doing. So, like classes should be more open to the field. Biology, for example, go that go outside and find the animals and and study them. And so, an open opener classroom. Would you say that one of your kind of end goals is as well? Um, kind of with a lot of your work, would you say that you want to get something published more like a certain finding and kind of get your name into a book? I feel like that would be the reason why I would go into paleontology to come across some dinosaur with like four heads. <laughs> well, I think any anything that I do will be a contribution because there is so little that we don't know about this animal. So now there are a lot of more researchers doing research on ichthyosaurs specifically, but there is still a lot that we we don't know and that we have to continue researching. So I am very sure that any contribution that I do will be will be good, even if it's a new species or not. Now, with the types of things that you've learned about ich ichthyosaurs, I, mm -hmm. I still can't pronounce these names. I'm telling you. But <laughs> when it comes, what what things have you learned just through your overall kind of working out in the field and uncovering fossils and just being able to kind of do the research on your own. And that I have learned about the ichthyosaurs. Yeah, like I look at it and I see, a, like you were saying, a dolphin, these types of things. And that's all from looking at it. What mm -hmm. have you really furthered in your own knowledge of just of the basic picture of just understanding the species in general? Um, specifically working in the field, I, for... Um, in the past, no, in the the years before, um, in the past, I have observed that there were some differentiations in the structure of the bones, for example, in the paddles, which is the most preserved stuff in the in the field. There were some ichthyosaurs that have a very long and elongated paddles with numerous, with several small bones, which are the phalanges. And and then and I don't know a couple of kilometers far from there, I found another one, which is also an ichthyosaur, but it has a small, short paddle, thick with small phalanges. Which I think then I realized that wow, we have more than one species in this area because this is a a paddle and this another one is also a paddle, but it's totally different. So. Unfortunately, the skulls of these animals are under the sediment, so we need to excavate that are not exposed. So I can compare very clear the skulls, which is a, one of the most important 
part of the skeletons. Yeah, like but, a different uh, variation of the dinosaur as well. See what where you're discovering them at could be because this creature is supposed to be like over oceans worldwide. They're supposed to live around all around the world where there's ocean. So imagine if you discover one from a different area, might have different characteristics in their bone structure based on their location of where they live. Yeah, exactly. Because it also depends on the ecosystem where they are living and, and why these paddles are so different. If they are coming in, if they are living in the same area, it's probably because one was able to deep to dive deeper than the other ones um, because it was feeding from some kind of their animal. One was feeding on fishes and the other, for example, on some other invertebrates. And so these are questions that we need to, to solve and we, were, we, we will be able to solve them uh, after excavation because we can excavate the complete skeleton. So I said most of these skeletons are exposed by the glacier retreatment, but some parts of the skeletons are still under the, the sediment. So we need to take the stones and to remove the sediment and then to to, and then we will be able to, to describe the species properly and then deposit it to, excuse me, to deposit it in a, in a collection uh, and then um, in, in a museum so people can visit and, and see this animal because it's complicated to people to go to the glacier, of course, because the logistics is complicated and it's not an area open to, to the people, to the public, yeah. So they they need this these animals in a closest area where they can see the, the skeletons with um like what exactly like what's the height and weight of these things they i mean you said that they look like a little bit like they can get mistaken for dolphins but are they like as long yeah. as a dolphin are they like six feet um i don't know about feet but i can tell you meters um I, we have some speci some specimens that are between three and four meters long. I don't know how how many feet are that. It's uh, about that's a, that's about um, six feet. That's that's I will a, check. yeah. That's um, a converser. I, okay, you're, you're typing it into a converser. <laughs> so three is a hundred. 120 feet maybe oh um, but we have some we have some other of nine meters long so they're they're, they're basically they're, they're they're huge they're i mean I'm, I'm still stumbling on the even this being able to translate the name of this creature i'm trying to figure out who named this thing in the i'm, I'm reading a little bit about it too that uh it was a 19th century um guy named henry de la I, I don't want to butcher his last name. I think it's Beach. And um, William Coney Bear in 1821. Wow. They called it fish lizard in Greek. That's interesting. Um, See, what's so fascinating yeah. about like just how I just did right there, looking up this creature, like I'm starting to get more information on it. It's supposed to give me a little bit more knowledge. And now I'm having a wonder if I like trying to explore and find this thing out for myself. Like how many dinosaurs out there that people don't know about like there's yeah so many only because we're, we just get fed the basic ones on television you never get to see anything like the these in the movies mm. yeah 
No, there is a lot of more. There is a lot. Of, uh, there is a lot of more to find, of course. A lot of. How was it that a colleague was? Uh, sorry, I was thinking about something that a colleague just said a few months ago, that we passed, we crossed from how many it was, five hundred something species of dinosaurs to more than three thousand or something in a few years. So it's crazy how many new species are been discovered every year actually what you just said is the reason why i believe there is a bigfoot out there because the statistical fact of uh cryptozoology is that there's an estimated between 9.6 million species left undiscovered still on this planet they estimate i think it's 3.2 left undiscovered on land and a, a good 6.4 Four, I think is the proper numbers left in the sea. And I just say like with all this, yeah, we're, we're getting so many variations and so many different species being discovered today. Like what else is there left to uncover that lived here long ago? Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. I think we will not have enough life to discover everything. And it's very sad because there are some species that are now getting extinct in this time. And we are discovering the ones that were extincted in the past now. So. It's crazy to see where we're going with it. I definitely need to think we need to slow down on the iPhone 20 and work more towards trying to find more interesting things like a prehistoric dinosaur. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank, yeah. thank you so much, uh, Dr. Judith, for doing the podcast. I really appreciate you coming out and taking the time to be able to at least explain to me a little bit of your work and teach me how to say the name of this fish because I'm still <laughs> Yeah, ichthyosaur. Ichthyosaur. Well, I really want to give you here a minute at the end. If you have anything you want to promote, like your Instagram page or anything where people can follow some of your work. Ah, uh, yeah, I have an Instagram page that I recently started to promote my research uh, here in the southern Patagonia. My name is uh, Doctor Judith Pardo Perez. And yeah, you can find some pictures that I am posting there about the ichthyosaurs that we found in the border of the glaciers in Patagonia and stuff that I have researched in, in my years in, in Germany and working in Europe. And so, I will make sure that thank all, you very much. I'll make, I'll make sure all your links go in the description as well so people can uh, yeah. find your profile and awesome, your awesome research as well. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. Well, thank you to you for the interview. It was very nice. Actually, it's my first podcast in English, so I was very worried about not understanding. <laughs> well, hey, you got to you got to talk to me for your first podcast. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Very good. <laughs> thank you so much for being on this episode of Out of the Blank, and stay tuned for our next episode.